1: or Salem Media Group.
0: Welcome to The Advocate
1: with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. And uh, tonight, we're going to talk about uh, cancer, and we're going to talk about something we talked about uh, on earlier shows, and that's pancreatic cancer, uh, a very devastating form of cancer. but. Uh, We're going to be talking about, uh, beside the cancer itself, we're going to be talking about research and what you can do about it. With us tonight, uh, as we always have, is Dr. Matthew Walsh from the Cleveland Clinic, uh, who is working with pancreatic cancer. Dr. Walsh, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure, Nick, to be with you. Always good to have you back and, and go right to the source as far as pancreatic cancer goes, and that certainly has been a major portion of your professional career for the last decades. Plural.
0: Yes. Well, um, we don't want to get into how long I've been at this, but
1: you sound very <laughs> young. <laughs> <Bad>.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a labor of love, I guess I would say. As as a surgeon, we're always trying to tackle the most challenging. Things and often, and this can certainly be one of them. And it's probably taking me these decades to really try and feel that I really can help people from a surgical standpoint as best I can, and get people through a very complex surgery um, so that they can go on with their life, and and uh, hopefully that's a a long life. and certainly get them to additional treatment, which, unfortunately, you typically do need.
1: Well, when we we talk about pancreatic cancer, obviously it's cancer, and obviously it involves the pancreas. Uh, Right. But but it's perhaps one of the most lethal forms of cancer that we hear about uh, on a regular basis. And have the numbers of incidents of pancreatic cancer been going up over the past years?
0: Uh, it's gone up very, very slowly. It has gone up. It hasn't skyrocketed, but it, it certainly is one of the few cancers that has gone up. Um, other cancers have gone down, uh, you know, as people stop smoking and get colonoscopies and regular mammograms. Uh, but there is a, a, telling graph if you look at the percent change in survival with, Cancers over the last 50 years. There are some superstars like lymphoma and leukemia. Um, and pancreatic cancer, unfortunately, is at the bottom of the list. You know, we haven't made any dramatic overall impact in survival. We've done better with surgical survival and getting people to appropriate surgery. And by that, I mean it it would be very rare in this day and age that we would be operating on people just to find out if we could take it out. The success rate of surgery um, is usually very high now because we select patients better for surgery and we're able to accomplish that task. So that's the good part of the equation. What isn't good is early diagnosis and um, any breakthroughs really – in treatment.
1: You know, with regard to surgery, what what are these statistics now as far as being diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and of let's say a hundred people being diagnosed this coming year with pancreatic cancer, what percentage of those might be eligible for surgery?
0: Unfortunately only about fifteen. Fifteen out of that hundred.
1: And what are what are the reasons or what are the the goals uh, and the criteria for saying someone either does or does not qualify for surgery?
0: Yeah, really good questions. Um, so the first primary factor is if there is known spread of the cancer beyond the, the organ of the pancreas itself. And the nature of the disease is that um, the majority of people when it is diagnosed, it has spread. And that is that is the sad statement and not it's not always because we've missed it but it it has a predilection to spread at even a very small size and so that is part of the problem is early diagnosis before it has already spread which we call uh metastases now The goal of surgery, the only effective surgery is really to remove 100% of the cancer, not 99% of the cancer. So the other thing that makes it challenging is there are a lot of blood vessels surrounding the pancreas because it lies along the back where all those blood vessels come from. And so it's a very thin organ like a pancake, so it's easy to spread beyond that thin little organ and involve blood vessels that, unfortunately, you can't always take out because they supply the intestine and the liver.
1: It sounds so challenging. Uh, a couple questions. When we talk about um, the small growths, the cancerous growths that appear, they're small and they spread. How aggressive is this form of cancer when it makes an appearance?
0: Well, typically it is aggressive. Typically, it is aggressive. That's why it's found late. And uh, occasionally, you can have uh, small sizes of cancer that have already spread. You know, Alex Trebek, who was recently diagnosed, his had already spread. So that is the common presentation. And so there often aren't great symptoms of, for people that have the cancer at an early stage before it spreads often the symptoms are vague, they might not have a great appetite, they um, might be losing weight, they might have new onset of diabetes. So there isn't a, a you know, aha, this has to be pancreatic cancer um, as, you know, as for other cancers that we sometimes find earlier. You know, there isn't a mm-hmm. colonoscopy, so to speak, that, that we can easily do.
1: You know, you mentioned diabetes. I, I had someone telling me just the other day that uh, one of the big, uh, I guess, uh, nourishing feeders of cancer, and I don't know if it applies to pancreatic cancer, is sugar. That right. uh, if uh, you have any type of cancer, cut out sugar immediately. Or, and I would assume preventatively cut down, if not out as much as you can, as a regular course of life.
0: Yeah, Um, eating healthy and to have uh, your weight controlled, um, being overweight is a risk factor to develop pancreatic cancer. Um, The reason it probably relates in this case is that the pancreas also makes insulin. And if the cancer develops in a way that sort of blocks the pancreas duct, as it typically does then it causes the gland to shrink. We call that atrophy. And when it atrophies, some of the, the cells that make insulin go away. So you're more predisposed to form uh, diabetes, unfortunately.
1: You mentioned that being overweight is a risk factor. Are there other known risk factors that uh, uh, we, we could yes. worry about? The,
0: the other big factor is um, tobacco smoking, and th- there are some um, familial forms being run in families uh, but we don't we haven't identified a specific gene for um, pancreatic cancer yet.
1: Are there any preventative tests for people who have Great insurance policies, uh, <laughs> such as uh, any uh, <clears throat> markers in the blood uh, that could have periodic blood tests, CTs, MRIs, PET scans, anything like that that can help? Right.
0: So the dilemma is there. There are um, tests to look for things. Those include, as you mentioned, MRI and CT. There's also a, a endoscopic test called uh, endosonography or endoscopic ultrasound, that's the same thing. And those are actually very good. They happen to be expensive and it typically is reassuring when they're normal. But then the question is when, you know, when are you going to have the next test? Because there's really no great way to know what what the right interval between tests is. And so Mm -hmm. even in patients that are part of a screening program because they have high risk in their family. Um, Still, the risk of getting cancer for the individual isn't necessarily high, and it's rare that you can pick up a cancer in a curative stage, even in a screening program. That's very disheartening.
1: Last question before the break. Uh, Epidemiological studies, what is the rate for, say, 100,000 people? How how many of these 100,000 people Mm. will we see next year uh, presenting um, with the pancreatic cancer,
0: I don't have the exact number per hundred thousand. It's you know, it's it's not the most common cancer for sure. Um, lung cancer, breast cancer, colon cancer are much more common. What is uh, different about it is of those more common cancers, they're not as lethal as pancreatic cancer is.
1: Well, uh, it's it's still out there, I guess, those numbers. I think uh, I remember just over the last uh, 10 years or so watching the numbers go from about 30,000 to 50,000 per year.
0: Yes, there are about 53,000 cases a year. Um, Off the top of my head, I just don't know what it is per, you know, 100,000.
1: Well, that's that's okay. It doesn't matter how many. We're going to take a short Uh, break. We're talking to Dr. Matthew Walsh from the Cleveland Clinic, uh, who's, whose main focus is dealing with pancreatic cancer. We're going to come back after these words talking about the brighter side of things. Believe it or not, there's a brighter side. We're going to talk about research and what you can do about it. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. We'll be back after these words. Don't go away. I can't.
2: Children, The product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips & Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips & Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800.
3: Gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555 or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555 or selectinsservice.com.
1: Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select insurance for your insurance needs.
4: at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care.
2: You didn't plan it this way. You spent your entire life being careful protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips and Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips and Millie at 440-243-2800.
1: Welcome back Cleveland, Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate and we're talking about pancreatic cancer tonight with a specialist in the area, Dr. Matthew Walsh from the Cleveland Clinic. Uh, Dr. Walsh again, as always, thank you for joining us and bringing us news about pancreatic cancer.
0: Yeah, well hopefully today we can segue into something a little more optimistic, which is uh, purple stride. Yes. Which is happening in a few days
1: it's going to be at the cleveland uh, metropark zoo and that's going to be saturday june 8th and uh, actually doing something about pancreatic cancer um, yeah how how is research going in pancreatic cancer and it, it, all research for all cancers requires money and this is a good opportunity for any of us now, i think most people i know know somebody not just somebody, but maybe two or three people who have succumbed to pancreatic cancer. So in memory of them and all future people who will be suffering, um, good time to come out to the Cleveland Zoo and, and help fund pancreatic cancer research. Uh, what what kind of research uh, is going on out there and, and what, what yeah. directions uh, are you guys heading?
0: So specific to the research, um, one of the things, as you noted, is uh, the amount of money that is dedicated to pancreatic cancer research. And that, unfortunately, is one of the lowest of all the cancers, even though it's highly lethal. It has, um, relatively speaking, a very low research budget from the federal government.
1: Why is that?
0: Well, there are a couple things. One is there hasn't been a way to get a breakthrough since we haven't done very well or can't haven't figured out the code as to what are the genes involved and therefore there's so much now in immunotherapy on how to change the genes um, and apply them to a given cancer cell and how to activate T cells to fight cancers. And that takes um, a bit more knowledge about the actual genetic mutations that happen. We know the mutations right before they become cancer, things like KRAS mutations, things like that that are happening at the cellular level and the cancers that are developing, but not enough to affect the whole population of people who have pancreatic cancer. So the things that have improved in terms of research is how to deliver better chemotherapy after, before or after surgery. Um, And so we've been um, effective at putting certain combinations of drugs together to really affect um, outcomes. So I think the field in pancreatic cancer is really towards moving to trying to develop uh, chemotherapy to affect the cancers, even in people who likely can get surgery, since that often doesn't cure those patients, to give them chemotherapy first when it might work better. Um, Because part of the problem with chemotherapy and pancreatic cancer is about 40%, even with a good operation, never get to chemotherapy, which could help them. So. A lot of the work is around chemotherapy and effective combinations, but we're going to need, you know, more funding to try and figure out how to crack the code and improve um, diagnosis and outcome for these patients to really make a substantial difference. And I can't say we're on the cusp of doing that right now, but we've got to have people showing support and showing that it's important. That's what. That's what people respond to in Washington who do all the funding, uh, you know, make the budgets Mm -hmm. for the NIH and all those federal grant programs.
1: In uh, breast cancer, they've made tremendous strides with a lot of research coming up. A lot of research.
0: The amount of money in breast cancer compared to pancreatic cancer is uh, phenomenal. And and it's great, I'm I'm happy for that. Um, And in some ways, pancreatic cancer is just this really tough code to crack but we're going to have to do it to make progress.
1: So, some of the uh, treatments that I've heard of, I don't know whether, again, they're they're just rumor or fact. Uh, one is during the surgery to apply chemo, actually, into the surgical area. Uh, is that something that is real, or is that just somewhat so pathological? That, that
0: is far? a type of uh, chemotherapy that's often heated, um, and that's, called HIPEC, and we do use that for certain forms of colon cancer, appendix cancer, and even stomach cancer, but unfortunately not pancreatic cancer. Pancreatic cancer, the thing about uh, chemotherapy that you put in an operative field is it only affects what it can touch in that operative field, and most of the cancer cells in pancreatic cancer are going through the bloodstream and the lymphatics, not on the surface. So unfortunately, that during the operation is not effective. We had tried doing radiation therapy uh, during the surgery, meaning you would take out the cancer and then give uh, a beam of radiation, but that doesn't seem to make a difference. And we always have to be careful about increasing complications from surgery as opposed to obviously getting a cure result.
1: or myth uh, question I have is uh, like in breast cancer that uh, certain uh, markers that someone might have genetically female that they would have a preventative uh, uh, mastectomy before there's any signs of cancer and if people can live without their pancreas uh, is that considered for people who might be considered at high risk or definitely don't want to risk pancreatic cancer?
0: It it is um, I, it's not nearly to the same degree as for breast cancer it's a, it's a large operation and we're not so good unfortunately at predicting risk even if you have a strong family history uh, you know Jimmy Carter he, he everyone in his family died of pancreatic cancer but not him so um, you know he would have suffered the consequences of having your pancreas out which includes juvenile diabetes in a sense meaning when you don't make any insulin like unfortunately the juvenile diabetic then it it really can have a lot of serious effects on other organs like your eyes your kidneys your heart so it really is unfortunately trading one potential bad problem with
1: another. another Well, uh we're we'll be watching for the next breakthrough. Yes, and me, you and I both. We'll have to go out and celebrate with um some low sugary drink or something <laughs> that will not induce any problems. Ever. yeah. But uh,
0: but, if, but if your listeners want to look up Purple Stride and it's a good yes. way to get families together that have been affected and and it starts at eight in the morning and there's a 5k run and a walk a mile walk that starts at nine so there are lots of good activities at the zoo and it'll be great
1: and admission to the zoo is free for that i would presume i think so so well at this time sign
0: up join a team
1: well join the team and come out there and and do that and uh, will, will dr walsh be out there
0: oh yes i will be there
1: so we'll, we'll be able to do that, and, uh, and yeah, we'll have else.
0: a booth. Stop by, say hi, ask more questions. I'll see what I can do.
1: Well, well, very good. well. The best thing people can do. Keep in mind, if you go out to the Cleveland Zoo, and you're out there for Purple Stride, it is a fundraiser. Registering um, teams, or in yes. they just
0: yeah, you register online. Go to the website at Purple Stride. It's it is supported by PANCAN, which is a national organization that helps family and support and gives out a lot of uh, research dollars as well as information for patients and families.
1: And they, So people, donate, obviously, it, like other uh, people, can uh, support, make their donations and get money into the research system. Will the research dollars raised for, by uh, Purple Stride? be used here in Cleveland, or does it go to a national fund? It
0: goes to a national fund because research is really trying to identify pockets that some interesting novel research might be happening, and they also advocate on Capitol Hill for funding at the NIH level, so it has multiple purposes.
1: Well, maybe we can take some of the tariffs that are being collected and applied to pancreatic cancer research. There you go. That would, that would I'm be all one, for it. One way of funding it. <laughs> well, thank you so much, and hope to see you out there at the Cleveland Zoo on Saturday, June 8th, uh, to help stamp out, finally, pancreatic cancer. And that would be happens. great. Well, Dr. Matthew Walsh from the Cleveland Clinic, thank you so much, and we'll stay in touch because pancreatic cancer is a big deal. To yes, happy to do it. There. Have Good. a
0: great day.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us with these words. So don't go away. you're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate can
3: get, no I get no You've earned the opportunity to enjoy a leisurely
2: lunch. you sail down a European river enjoying spectacular views and the finest cuisine Portugal has to offer. Even better, you'll move on to Spain and experience the rich heritage of this country. Explore the early influences of ancient Rome. And, since this is a culinary tour, see if their food can surpass the bar that the Portuguese have set for you. And yet, your adventure has not ended as you will travel to the land of poets, the Emerald Isle, You will see why Johnny Cash sang about Ireland's 40 Shades of Green. More than a tour, an experience worthy of any bucket list. Check out your itinerary on Facebook, Culinary Tour with Jerry Quinn, or go to ChristianExpedition.com. A five-star experience at a three-star price. You didn't plan it this way. You spent your entire life being careful protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips & Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips & Millie at 440-243-2800.
4: at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care.
1: Welcome back to Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. And uh, as we're approaching the most beautiful time in northern Ohio, that's late spring and summer, uh, we we think about outdoor activities and what better outdoor activity than going down to the national park, the Caga Valley National Park and. You probably have seen the Caga Valley Railroad, the Scenic Railroad down there. Uh, well, we're going to talk about that tonight in the next two segments. And with us to talk about it and share her knowledge is Katie Brewer. Katie, thank you for joining us.
5: Hi, thanks so much for having us.
1: It's so wonderful because I just love the parks and I love the train. And uh, tell us, uh, what, what is your job? You work for the, the railroad.
5: Yeah, so I am the manager of media relations for Cuyahoga Valley Scenic Railroad. I've been here for about a year now, um, and I absolutely love it. It's just so unique being able to work for a heritage tourist railway that runs through Ohio's only national park. Um, I do all of the marketing. um, I do social media. Um, website management um, and media relations things like this so thank you again
1: for having us oh well we love having you we love the railroad and we love everything it does to adding to our life here in northern Ohio (laughs) it's so cool now before you became employed uh, were you familiar with the railroad
5: I had heard of it before, um, but I had never actually written it. I'm not not actually native to Ohio. I've only been here for about four years.
1: Oh, where are you from?
5: I'm originally from Michigan.
1: Okay, that's close. Um, and I
5: came down here for school.
1: Oh, did you go to Ohio State? and? <laughs>
5: no, I went to uh, Baldwin-Wallace in Berea.
1: Okay, well, I'm, I'm sure they didn't ask you anything about that Michigan team uh, up there. No. <laughs> Well, uh, with the railroad, uh, the, the railroad has been around in the parks for how long?
5: Um, it's been around in the park for uh, over forty-five years. Um, we first started in nineteen seventy-two when a man named Siegfried Burling wanted to create a connection between uh, the Cleveland Zoo and Hale Farm and Village. Um, So he created what was then the Cuyahoga Valley Preservation and Scenic Railway Association um, as a nonprofit organization to run train rides to connect people um, from Cleveland uh, down to Hale Farm and Village.
1: So did it start at the Cleveland Zoo back then?
5: yes so it did so it, he wanted to you know create an awareness of Hale farm and village and to kind of connect um you know the two areas of mm-hmm. northeast ohio um and so by doing so um not only would he you know get more visitors to hail farm and village but it would also benefit uh, the cleveland zoo
1: how far does the railroad go now
5: Right now, we run along 26 miles of track from Independence to Akron, and most of that is throughout Cuyahoga Valley National Park. So we operate within a partnership with the national park, um, so they own and maintain our tracks. Um, We're not technically together. We are separate entities, um, but it's really great having that partnership there and being able to help each other out.
1: When we watch the train driving through places or riding through places like Peninsula, Ohio, we see uh, conductors and engineers waving and that kind of thing. Are are they paid employees or are they volunteers?
5: No, so they're actually all volunteers. Anytime that you step on the train um, and you see anyone on the train from our conductors, engineers, brakemen, trainmen, uh, platform attendants, those are all volunteers. Those are people who have spent many, many hours in training to get where they are today. Um, And a lot of our volunteers are with us for, you know, 5, 10, 15 years. And actually, a few of our volunteers have been with us since the railway started. Um, So it's really special for us to, you know, have volunteers that, you know, care so much about the train um, and are so passionate about it and are so willing to... You know share the train with visitors and you know help them make these amazing memories our volunteers are also the ones who are doing a lot of the maintenance on the cars and so that's something that not a lot of people know is that our volunteers work behind the scenes um in our train yard and our shop to keep the trains up and running um everything from you know fixing the leaky, leaking, faucet to, uh, you know, washing the windows on the train car. So those are all volunteers.
1: Do you have to have experience working on a railroad to um, be a volunteer?
5: Absolutely not. <laughs> oh. We have a lot of people who, um, you know, they may have grown up around trains, and they really love trains, and it was such a big part of their childhood. Um, so they want to come out, and they, you know, love the feeling of you know, that nostalgic feeling of the train um, because it is such a nostalgic feeling. Um, And then we have other people who you know, they may not be very interested in trains at all, (laughs) even still volunteering um, but they just Just want to do it just to be involved and, you know, kind of give back to the community, um, whether they're retired or still working um, and just looking for, you know, something else to do. And our volunteer group is such a strong core group. So we have over 1,800 volunteers, and um, it's really, it's more so like a family Um, just because everyone is so tight-knit and we do have, you know, such a big group of volunteers.
1: With the volunteers, you said they have to go through training. Uh, Where is the training uh, given and and how much training do they have to go through?
5: Right, so we have trainings about once a month. um, And it's just a, there's two parts of it. And so there's an in-classroom portion of it. So, um, you know, you come in, we kind of tell you about the railroad, we tell you about the different positions there are, um, because we have a variety of different positions on the train and off the train. Um, And then that following, usually it's like the following Saturday, we do an onboard training. So we get all of our new volunteers on the train for one run of the National Park Scenic Excursion. Um, And we, you know, teach them, you know, where things are on the train, you know, what to say during your speech. And then during your first couple runs as a trainman um, or in a new position, you'll be shadowing another volunteer who's doing that role. For our conductors and our brakemen and our engineer, those are a little bit those are a little bit more intense of trainings. Um, So for conductors, you have to have a certain number of hours, and for brakemen and engineers, since you are. Actually, running the train, um, we have to go through um, more intense training as well.
1: If someone would volunteer and they would go into an entry level volunteer training, and then they would, uh, I would assume, show up on a schedule. What would they be doing typically?
5: Right. So we have a couple different um, board opportunities. So one is our trainmen, and so our trainmen are the ones who are greeting passengers. So they are opening the trap doors to the train. They're putting down the steps. Um they are checking tickets and helping people board, directing them in the way of the concession car, where their seats are. Um, they're going around once the train starts moving and checking tickets. They're making sure that everyone is being safe, so they give a safety speech, um, and, and in the case of an emergency, they would be the ones responsible for making the pa- making sure the passengers get off board safely we also have serving opportunities so we do a variety of special events that require um, you know beverage or food serving so if you're doing that what you'll do is you'll set up for the event um, you'll help pass out food or you'll pour beer or wine um, and then you'll help clean down the event when it's over
1: Uh, we have about a minute to go for this segment but uh how many hours do people put in typically a month or is it up to them
5: it's up to them and that's the beauty of our volunteer program we don't require you to come out you know x amount of hours per month or days um it's purely up up to the volunteer we have some volunteer groups um like group the friends who volunteer every tuesday and thursday we have some people who only do saturdays we have have you know some volunteers who only like to do the special events so they only serve on Friday night events Um, and you know it's really nice that we offer that because a lot of volunteer programs you have to you know come regularly to be a volunteer Um, but with us you can come you know however much you want whether that be you know four times a week or once a year um, it's it's a really, really neat um, pretty
1: Pretty wide open. Yeah. Well, very yeah. good. Well, we're talking to uh, Katie Brewer. She's Media Relations at Cuyahoga Valley Scenic Railway. If you've seen it or heard about it, and uh, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back with Katie and talk more about the railroad and what's going on this summer and what are some of those events they have. If you're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK The Advocate, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Don't go away. Okay.
4: at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care.
3: Coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can not provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at SelectInsService.com. 440-237-8555, or SelectInsService.com.
1: Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select like insurance for your insurance needs. Welcome back to Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with our final segment of The Advocate for tonight. And we're having fun actually talking about the Kaga Valley Scenic Railway and the Kaga Valley National Park. And with us tonight from Kaga Valley Scenic Railway is Katie Brewer. Katie, again, thank you for joining us.
5: Thank
1: you for having us. Oh, it's uh, so good just picturing. Every time we're talking about the railroad, I'm picturing a beautiful uh, day with the trees and the warmth and the trains and so on. Um, You know, when the railroad started down there, you said like 40-some years ago, they used to have a steam locomotive. Uh, Is that still in possession of your group, or is is that gone forever?
5: Right. So we have a historic connection two steam engines, and so we would never want to lose that part of our history. So every year for a while now we've been bringing in historic steam locomotive uh, nickel plate railroad uh, 765 from fort wayne indiana and it comes in during steam in the valley we call it and it's the last two weekends of september and we give people the chance to ride the steam engine through cuyahoga valley national park and hear you know the sound of the whistle like it once was um you know 30 years ago. Um, so that is, since it is such a big part of our history, um, we try to do that every year just so that people have the opportunity to um, see and hear a steam engine because it truly is a magnificent sight and sound.
1: It, it is. Um, I think we've all seen pictures and maybe movies or videos of steam engines, but unless you're standing near the track watching one go by, you cannot uh, imagine the tremendous power and weight and uh, momentum that a steam engine has. Right, it, it's, it's absolutely somehow.
5: incredible, and you watch the steam, and it's just—you can hear it coming around the corner, and you can see the steam, and it's blowing off all the all the leaves from the trees, um, and you you know kind of you feel the vibrations in the ground as it's coming.
1: That's what's most memorable is feeling the vibrations uh, mm-hmm. of the ground. It just feels heavy, and uh, also you get introduced to. Uh, little particles of burnt coal coming out of the smoke. Yes. You know, little cinders <laughs> dropped all around you. But uh, Well, you mentioned that's going to be in the last uh, two weekends in September. and uh, Yes. We've, yep. we've, we've gone out there to watch that a uh, couple of years, and there are really uh, hobbyists who just know everything about these steam engines. Like you said, 765. I'm sure people realize the Nickel Plate engine 765, they know all the dimensions and the horsepower and what years it was in service and all of that stuff.
5: Right. They they know more than we do. <laughs> um, yeah, we, have a, we attract a lot of avid rail fans um, during the end of September for that event just because it truly is a spectacular sight, and um, 765 makes for wonderful photographs.
1: Now I love riding my bike down on the towpath down there in the National Park and uh, when uh, we leave our car up at Brecksville and we ride down to Peninsula have lunch and then we like coming back on the train. Is, is that still a program for this summer or this season?
5: Yeah, so we still offer Bike Aboard. Uh, it started at the beginning of May and it's going to run through the end of October. Hmm. It's one of, in my opinion, it's one of the best ways to um, you know ride the train and see the national park if you just have a limited amount of time. We charge it's just a fee of five dollars to get on the train um, for one way, once a day. Um, and you can, you know, like you said, um, bike down to the station, get on the train, take the train back to where you parked. Or you can um, get on the train first and then you know bike back to where you were. Um, it's a really great way to you know just be active, especially on a nice day. And with the we're so um, you know lucky to have the towpath trail uh, following right along with the Cuyahoga River and and the train tracks. And we also offer kayak aboard, um, so you can kayak down the Cuyahoga River, and then bring your kayak aboard for ten dollars for a single or fifteen
1: dollars for a double. That uh, I'm again as we're, we're talking. What this looks like, <laughs> and uh, I picture an eighty degrees summer day, you know, and it's just wonderful. Yeah, but uh, it's
5: nice because the the train's air conditioned too. So when you're really hot from biking, you can get on the train, sit in a you know ice cold car, and we have a concession car on board, so you c- so you can buy hot dogs and um, beverages and just cool down.
1: Oh, well, again, it sounds delightful. Um you used to have Thomas the train coming out is that something that still goes on
5: right so unfortunately we will not be able to bring Thomas back this year um, due to construction of the Boston Mill Visitor Center Uh, so we won't be able to host it at the site uh, with that construction going on and the future traffic Um, but we do have a we we have added a lot more family friendly events because we aren't bringing that back so we do things like our family fun loop, we do crafts on the train um, we do read a board so during the week families can get on board, read a story, they do crafts, we do animal workshops, we have superheroes and princesses on the train, Um, so we do a lot more family-friendly
1: events. What's your website where people can find out about all of these activities?
5: Right, so you can check us out at cvsr.org. We list all of our excursions. We have a lot, you know, from Friday night events like trivia and bingo on the train to our beer and wine tasting trains and our popular dinner on the train excursions.
1: You know, one of the things when you were talking about volunteers, I'm thinking if you had like a a group of friends, like three or four couples who wanted to volunteer, could they like come out at the same time and do their yeah, volunteer group? Have definitely. Seen, do so they do that? we.
5: So we have options for that, Um, and one great volunteer opportunity if you're really looking for, you know, to kind of bond with your friends or something, um, is our Polar Express train ride. Um, So that happens every November and December, and we run for uh, 40 nights, um, trips out of both Rockside and Akron each night. we we require hundreds of volunteers every night um so you could do something on board the train um you could be a chef or a server where you're actually you know showing the kids a story and serving hot cocoa or you could be an elf at the north pole which is really fun because then you get to see the kids faces pressed against the glass
1: well that that sounds so much fun sounds so delightful uh, that that's been something that's been around here for years as well. Uh, what what's in the future for the scenic railroad?
5: Um, and, and well, we are just chugging along. <laughs> we are in the middle of a capital campaign, mm-hmm. um, so we're looking to make some more fleet enhancements to uh, just enhance the experience of our, for our visitors. We are looking to add a edu trainment car. So we're trying to bring a children's museum to life on the rails. So we are kind of gutting out our, one of our old cars and making it so that it has interactive, um, displays and exhibits so that families have something to do once they get on board the train. Um, we're also looking at, you know, other simple fleet enhancements Um, you know like fixing a lot of things um, like our HVACs um, and we also plan on adding um, a handicap accessible dining car. Hmm. Uh,
1: A question comes to mind with regard to using the train Uh, can groups like charter the train or a car or something for a special event of their own?
5: yeah so that 's one thing that not a lot of people um you know think of when they think of Cuyahoga Valley Scenic Railroad uh, is coming out for something like celebrating an anniversary or a birthday. You can rent uh, a private car. So you can have that car all to yourself, and we work with you on setting up, you know, what food you may want, uh, whether that be, you know, a light breakfast um, or appetizers with bar service, and we also do offer group bookings for groups of 20 or more, Um, so you can give us a call um, at 1-800-468-4070, and we can help you book your group.
1: Well, that that sounds wonderful. And again, thank you so much for joining us. Of yeah, thank all, you. Yes, of all I've heard, uh, I feel like just saying, see, we can have a lot of fun here in the Cleveland area. <laughs>
5: definitely definitely if you haven't you know anyone who hasn't been out in a while um you got to get on the train it's just it's absolutely stunning to um see Cuyahoga Valley National Park especially in the summer when everything is just so um great um and there's so many people in the park and well, there's so much to see
1: well thank you so very much Katie Brewer from the Cuyahoga Valley Scenic Railroad thank you so very much thank you and thank you for listening tonight. We'll be back next Sunday right here in WHK. Same time, same station. So between now and then, have a great week. Good night. And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset. Sat and
0: drank my fresh mint tea. With nothing to do until morning. And only my mind.